Who's ready for August? Who's ready? I'm ready. August is here. It is upon us. And uh, we're moving into a new theme, uh, the journey. And uh, who loves journeys in life? Who loves road trips? I love road trips. My wife hates road trips. Uh, You know, there is only one other person in the family that will do road trips with me. And I don't mind because my family live in Victoria, so I don't mind driving. Uh, But my wife hates it. Absolutely will not drive with me. Uh, And and I'll I'll be honest with you, it's not that fun driving with four kids in the car. Uh, There's not that much room by the time you pack them and everything else. And so uh, we love it. And so for myself is that there's, there's another person in the family that doesn't mind a good road trip. And that is my eldest daughter, Maya. She doesn't mind a good road trip. And I tell you what, we have road trips all the time. Have a look at this. Like during the journey, you discover things. You discover airplanes. You discover food. Like look at that. That's a wagon wheel. That's a wagon wheel. Only in New South Wales you discover a fish. What else? You have a sleep. <laughs> She's really committed to the journey there. And you've got a tank, of course. You know, what town doesn't need a tank? You know, so when you go all the way, and then all of a sudden you get to the very end, Victoria. Yay. It is yay because you're passing through New South Wales. But anyway, so, but, but it reminded me, as I was thinking of the journey, like, you know, you look at the Israelites, they rocked up to the border of Canaan. They'd actually gone through New South Wales and they'd rocked up to the promised land. <laughs> you, you know, it's like if you're moving, and, and, and a lot of people will understand it here tonight, is that there are a lot of people that I meet in Queensland that have moved from where? Victoria, Victoria okay. You notice they don't stop in New South Wales, they just keep coming. <laughs> Um, There's a lot of people that have moved from New Zealand. You know, they don't stop in the water, they just keep coming, you know. So everyone likes to make it to the promised land, either where? Queensland or Victoria. You don't stop in the middle. And and so this is what I I look at the Israelites, and, and tonight I want to talk about the Israelites, is that they just camped right at the foot, right there. The promised land was right there, but they just did, they did the journey. But they didn't go through. You know, I want to ask a question. And, you know, who loved, did you even Bible? Do you even Bible? Who loved that? That was all. So I thought tonight we would bring it back for a little bit. So does anyone know these names? Anyone know that name? Anyone know that name? Anyone got that one? Anyone got this one? IGA? Yeah, maybe, IGA, that's where they got it. Anyone know that one? Come on. Can anyone even pronounce any of these? That's the question. No? Does anyone know any of these? Yeah, this one. Anyone sitting next to a meal? You reckon he was there? Oh, oh, what about? Is anyone, anyone named their kid that lately? Oh, anyone know this one? Hey, we're here. What about this one? Yeah, well, you know, most of us know those two. 
you know, do we know the other ten? No, but we've all heard about them. They were the twelve that went in to the Canaan. You know, Israel is there, they've done the journey, they've moved on through, and they've camped themselves at this place, at Canaan. They're on the border, they're, they're there, and Moses says to these twelve, he picks one from each tribe and says, hey, go. Go and spy out the land. These guys, they go and spy out the land. They spent 40 days spying out the land. 40 days. You know, wouldn't you think after a week, your wife rings you and says, where are you? These guys spend 40 days. They're 40 days. They they don't have GPS. They don't have mobile. They're they're, they're, they're going for it. And and so they're looking at this. uh, And if you read of the accounts of what they discover, they they discovered that there are hills in this place. There are mountains. They discover that it it is a land flowing with milk and honey. It's like Queensland. It's like Victoria. It's not like New South Wales. It's it's flowing. But there's one thing. They they find that in the land there are giants. And so these 12, they they come back and they report. They come back and report to everyone what has taken place. And tonight I want to talk just quickly about a different spirit. Is it right there? There were these guys, 12 spies. They come back. And what happens is Moses starts to talk to him. He says, okay, what did you find out? What what was it? What do you think we should do? Are we ready? Can we go? And God said, hey, listen, go to Canaan and take hold of the land. They already had their orders. They already had their promise. They were camped right there at the banks of the Jordan, with their inheritance just there looking at them. If you want to have a look in your Bibles, if you want to turn to the screen, Numbers 13, verse 30 to 33, and it says, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, The people came, the crowds came, to hear, okay, what are the spies saying? What are these ones going to say? What are the reports? And so, Here he is, Caleb, he silences the people before Moses and he said, we should go up and take possession of the land for for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites bad reports about the land that they had explored. Huh, how's that? We seem to be like grasshoppers in the eyes of those that live there. You know, I I don't know about you. I hate bad reports. Who hates bad reports? Now, I hate hanging out with people that have bad reports. You know those people that that you're always there and it's like they just vomit all over you. It's like you're sitting there and and it's like, could you just be quiet? (laughs) You know, this is why I don't take Layla on long car trips with me. Because she is the one that throws up in the back seat. So I'm like, no, you can stay at home or we'll fly you and we'll pick you up. But you know those ones that it's like, you know, so you just don't go that you like, this is what the report's like. The report comes back and it even says on a few verses behind is that uh, Caleb and Joshua put a stick between them and they carried the fruit. It says the fruit was huge. It was huge. It was, it was big. It was, you know, 
They were like, you know, we can't carry it in our hands. We've got to carry it on poles. They actually brought evidence back of how good the land was. Ten said no. Two said, we can do this. We can do this. You know, every one of us is on a journey, but whether we reach the destination is determined by the decisions we make. Do you realize that? By the spirit that we have in our life. Each and every one of us is on a journey. God has a promise for each and every one of us. God has a destination for each and every one of us, but whether we reach that destination is determined upon us. Determined upon us. In order for us to reach the destination that God has for our life, we need to have a different spirit. You know, do you realize that there was a generation that never entered in to the promised land? From that report, God got so upset with them. God was like, you know what, I'm going to wipe them all out. This is it. I've had enough. So he said, anyone that is 20 and above will not enter into the promised land. For 40 years, you've got a track around New South Wales. For 40 years, and so 40 years, they they tracked around this place. They didn't even see the promised land. Anyone under 20 got to walk through. Do you realize those 10, Caleb and, and Joshua ripped their clothes and they started crying out to God, come on, no, and they started talking to the people, come on, no, we can do it. They started crying out. No one listened to them. So the penalty was no one over the age of 20, will walk in the promise, will inherit the promised land. Do you realize those 10 (laughs) didn't even get to walk around? It said that God struck them with a plague and they died that day. (laughs) Those with a different spirit. Tonight, can I tell you what the different spirit is? The first thing is, is that they had a confidence You know, Joshua and Caleb, they had a confidence. They had a God confidence, a faith in God. They were like, you know what, we can do this. We've seen what our God can do. We're going to do this. Hebrews 3, verse 11 to 19, it says, For we want to become partakers of Christ. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, while it is said, today, if you will hear His voice, God's voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion. What they're talking about there, as in the rebellion, as in the rebellion of the Israelites back in Moses' day. He's saying, you know what, if you hear what I have to say, if you hear the promises that I have for you, if you're steadfast in faith and believe that I can come through, I will come through. But don't listen to the naysayers. Don't listen to the gossip. It goes on to say, for who having heard rebelled instead. Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses, now with whom, whom he is angry 40 years? I don't want God to be angry with me for 40 years. Was it not with these who sinned, whose corpus fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that he would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter because of their unbelief. Because of their unbelief. All of Israel but two 
entered into the promised land due to their unbelief. Unbelief will keep you from your destination. Unbelief will keep you from your inheritance, from what God has for you. Unbelief and doubt will keep you out of His inheritance for your life. You know, the last thing I want is to be kept out of my inheritance, is to be kept out the promises of God because of unbelief. You know, we need to have a God confidence. You know, never miss the miracle or, or never dismiss the miracle as happenstance. Or good luck. Do you realize that the Israelites had just seen miracles take place? They just had the ten plagues. You know, the ten plagues had come. And they'd walked through all the ten plagues. They'd walked through. They'd seen the water turn into blood. They'd seen the frogs, the lice, the flies, the disease on the you know, livestock, the boils, the hail, the fire, the locusts, the darkness, and the death of the firstborn. And, they, and all of a sudden they get to this place. And there's unbelief. What did they do? Did they turn around and just go, you know what, that was just happenstance. That was just good luck. I hate when people receive a miracle and they just treat it as common. You know, those ones where God comes through, you, you don't have any other answers but God. But God. And when we put it across to, oh, that was just good luck. No, that was God coming through for you. That was God moving heaven and earth for you. Don't treat it as something that is common. Don't treat it as happenstance. The Israelites, what they, were, they were led by a cloud by day, fire by night. That wasn't happenstance. That was the protection of God. That was God's favor upon their life. You know, don't look at God's favor upon your life as well. It's just luck. No, it's God's favor. It's God's blessing. The Red Sea opening up. You know, all these guys, they had seen the miracles come. They'd seen the miracles go. But how quick do we forget the hand of God upon our life? This is why we should always seek the face of God and not the hand of God. We always should know the heart of God. And not necessarily the hand of God. Because if you seek His face, you'll receive His hand. So many people are chasing miracles that they they stop chasing the face of God. And here they are, they're standing there with doubt, unbelief in their heart. But there was two with a different spirit. They had seen the hand of God move and they were confident He would move again. They were confident that he would move again. Are you confident that God will move again in your behalf? Are you confident that God is guiding your footsteps? Are you confident that you're in the will of God? These two believe, you know what? We've heard the promise. We've seen the miracles. We know what God has for our nation and we're going to move forward. They had a God confidence. They had a confidence that God was with them and we're determined to do His will. Yeah. We're determined. Are you determined to do His will? Good. You know, a God confidence. It's faith in God. It's knowing who He is. You know, I believe this, that every Christian should have a confidence around their life. Yeah. 
You should have a God confidence around your life, not an arrogance, a God confidence. Knowing that you're called for this hour, this moment, this time, this place, this region, this community right now, that you'll have a confidence to stand for the things of God. You know, some people look in and they go, well, they're just arrogant. They're just, no, no, it's a God confidence knowing that he's called us to do what we're yeah. called to do. Yeah, to preach the gospel. To declare the good news. To walk in his promises. You know, these guys, they, they stood there and they were like, you know what? We can do this. We know our God. Come on. What, what are you doing? Why are you giving these reports? We can do this. You know what? We can do it. God, God's got this. You know, when you step into your God confidence, anything is possible. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. Huh. You know, we need a God confidence. These two, they had a confidence around their life. The God was who he said he was. The God would do what he said he would do. They heard the word of God and they're like, right now, my God has spoken it. We're going to receive it. You know, there are plenty of promises in this Bible right now that God has said for each and every one of us. My question to you is, do you have the faith and the confidence to take hold of them? It is the Word of God. It is the absolute truth of God. It is what we base our belief upon. A confidence in the Word of God. The second thing is that they had courage. They stood up to everyone right there. Ten come back with the report. And oh, no, it can't be done. Two of them, it can be done. You know, sometimes it takes courage just to stand up in the face of adversity. It takes courage to stand up and they tore their clothes and said, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? They had courage to stand. They had courage to declare. <laughs> like... Honestly, it, it was like the ten came back and around the campfires, they started telling ghost stories. If you read through there, they started telling the stories of, of how big these giants were. These giants, they are descendants from the giants of Noah's time. In the time of Noah, if you read through, there are giants throughout the scripture. And they're sitting around the campfire, they're saying, you know what, these are descendants of those giants. You know, we cannot take them. Right, let's, let's face it. Do we believe the Bible or not? Okay, in the time of Noah, what took place? A flood. Okay, so who survived the flood? Noah and his... Do you even Bible? Anyway, Noah and his family. So where did the giants come from? Like, honestly, they're telling wise tales. They're telling ghost stories around. And all of a sudden, fear grips the heart of the Israelites. And they're like, nah, we can't do it. It's not going to happen. You know, the worst thing we could have is fear grip our hearts. We need to have courage to stand. You know, they're crying out, it's impossible. <laughs> and the two with a different spirit are saying, you know, Anything's possible. You know, we can do this. God has got this. And and you realize that through their reports, they didn't deny that there were giants. They didn't deny that the people were bigger. They were just like, we can do this. 
in the face of their adversity, in the face of their problem, no matter how big their problem was, it was like, nah, there is no problem that is bigger than my God. There is no problem. We need to bravely face the giants of our lives, whatever the giant looks like. You know, tonight there are giants. Some people here, they're sitting and you are facing giants in your own life. Maybe it's sickness. You know, maybe it's mental health. Maybe it's financial. Whatever that giant is, you know, stop looking at it in light. You start looking at it in light of your God. That your God is bigger. That your God is stronger. And as you start to look at it, take hold, take the courage and stand up to it and declare who your God is with courage in your heart and stand up and say, no, no. Some of us need to stop complaining about hardships and look at the giant in the face and say, we've got this. We've got this. Don't let the feeling of intimidation get to you and let emotions twist the truth of what God had planned for you. Let me say that again. Don't let the feeling of intimidation get to you and let the emotions twist the truth of what God has planned for you. God has a plan. He has a plan when fear and unbelief and intimidation rule your emotions. This is when good, sound, biblical reasoning is thrown out. A famous writer once said this, When I was a boy, I thought life was rough because I had no shoes until I met a boy who had no feet. Sometimes we just need to take perspective. We need to look at things through a different lens. i got a cheeky one here. A lady said, I thought life was rough because I had no new shoes or purse until I met a woman with no credit card. (laughs) Never let your decisions be based upon the size of our obstacles, but upon the size of our God. Joshua 1, 7, and when he took the time to enter into the promised land, God spoke to him and said this, he said, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may say that you may be successful wherever you go. As I was sitting in my office just reading over this this afternoon, I believe that there are some people here where God's saying, you know what, be strong and very courageous. It's time for you just to stand and be strong. It's time for you to be courageous and just obey him. Take hold of his word and, and just outwork it. You know, Joshua and Caleb, they entered the promised land. They entered. They had the courage to move through. They had the confidence. They had the courage. But then the, the last thing is that they were obedient. They had obedience around their life. You know, Proverbs 17, verse 11 says this, An evil man seeks only rebellion. Therefore, a cruel messenger will be sent against him. Now, the last thing I want is God to send a cruel messenger. If you read through that scripture, it talks about a king. Is that as soon as a rebellion comes up, a king 
sends an executioner. I don't know, the last thing I want is to have God offside. I want to make sure that I'm always in His will. I want to make sure that I'm always on His side, working out His plans. You know, disobedience cost Israel their blessing and their inheritance. It cost a generation. It put them out into the wilderness. It talks about Joshua and Caleb. It says that in Numbers 32 to 12, it says that they followed the Lord wholeheartedly. In Deuteronomy 136, again, it says, because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. There's several accounts in the scripture that says that these guys wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly, they had a different spirit. What that means is that they were in complete sincerity and commitment to God. It it was like, you know what, I have no other agenda but to be here where you want me. I'm wholeheartedly giving my life to you right now, God. I want to fulfill the plans that you have for my life. You know what, many Christians don't enter in or reach their destination God has for them because of their spirit. You know, you can obey someone, but still be in rebellion. You, know, you can obey and you can do something grudgingly, but what does God want? He wants us to do it with thanksgiving. He wants us to be grateful that when we come to fulfill the will of God, that it's not grudgingly, it's like, oh, here I go again. Oh, I've got it. No, it's, hey, I can't wait. What do you want for me, God? Where do you want me? What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to speak to? Who do you want me to engage? Come on, who who are those ones that are just waiting for a miracle in their life that I can be that answer? He's wanting people that are on the edge of their seat, that are ready to do His will no matter where, whether that's in church or out of church, whether that's in your workplace or in your recreational place, wherever it is that you're there, ready, hearing, listening to God wholeheartedly engaged. We need to have a Caleb and Joshua spirit. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 9, Paul talks about this. He says, so whether I am at home or away from home, it is my constant ambition to please him. It's my constant ambition to please Him. Our ambition should always be to please Him. Should always be to please Him. You and I are designed to please Him. Our purpose is to worship Him. Our purpose is to do the will that He has for our life. To reach the destination, the inheritance that He has. But whether we're going to reach it or not depends upon our spirit. Depends upon our heart and how we lean into Him. Because if you lean away from Him, you will never reach your destination. You will never reach the promises, the inheritance that He has for your life. 
I, I want to tell you, I don't want to be stuck. I never, ever want to be stuck in New South Wales all my life. You never want to be stuck in the wilderness between A and B. Ambition. Constantly. An ambition to please Him. That my constant ambition is to please Him. Joshua and Caleb, their constant ambition was to please Him. was to please Him and to please Him was to move through into the promised land. To please Him was not to stop halfway through the journey, was not to just camp outside the promise, but to move on into the promises. And tonight I believe with all my heart is that God is saying, hey listen, what is your ambition? Do you have a different spirit? A spirit that just wants to come and and fulfill and be part of the purposes that I have for your life. What is your ambition? What is your desire? What are the promises? What are the purposes? What's that destination that God has for your life? Maybe God's spoken to you at one time in your life and He said, hey, listen, this is where I want you. This is what I want you to do. But all of a sudden, you've started to move forward, but then all of a sudden, through to life and circumstances and other things that are speaking to you, you've just stopped when it comes to His purposes. Or, Or maybe it's got a bit hard or maybe you've seen the obstacles ahead and it's like, you know what, I might have to go into the promised land and face some giants. And if I face those giants, I might not survive because we're looking at it in our own strength. And and what we do is we just end up camping outside the promises. And as we camp outside, we start to die. We start to fall away. What are those things that God's spoken to you about? Maybe it was yesterday. Maybe it was today. Maybe it was three years ago and he's still speaking. My prayer for you today is that you'll have a constant ambition to please him. Because as soon as you put him in the center of your life, everything else falls into place. Those giants, those mountains, fade away in the presence of our God. When we align our will with Him, when we align our agenda with Him, our heart with Him, we walk into the promises. If you love just to bow your heads and close your eyes, I